Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Father, and I thank you. And Lord, even before I do that, I just thank you, Lord, for all those people that serve at Rama Family Church people that uh, use their time and their energy and their physical strength, even spiritual strength in prayer. Father, thank you for those that serve, Father. And I I thank you that you supernaturally meet all of their needs. I thank you that you strengthen them with spiritual might in their inner beings, Father, and just bless them for the work that they sow into your kingdom. I thank you for that. And Lord, I thank you for your word as we get into it today, Father, that you help me to uh, minister this word. I acknowledge I can't do this without you, so I trust you, Father God, uh, to help me to minister in Jesus' name. Amen. So this year so far, we've talked about the the first Sunday in January, we talked about being full of the Holy Spirit. The second Sunday, we had a message on being full of the word. Uh, Then the third one was full of joy, and then it was last week, and I don't know if I'm missing a Sunday there, but there were five Sundays. Um, but anyway, I think I'm missing a Sunday. So the, the Word, I mean the Holy Spirit, the Word, joy, and then, uh, anyway, guys, forgive me for that. But last Sunday, which was the fifth Sunday in January, then Patsy um, talked about spending extra time with God in prayer and fasting. So as, as I was like thinking this week and Uh, It just came into me about the benefits when we spend time with God and extra time in prayer. And this word came into my heart, wisdom, wisdom. So we're going to look at a few things about wisdom today. And so it's, it's really possible for all of us to gain massive amounts of knowledge. But if we lack wisdom, we don't know how to apply the knowledge. Or it's possible that we communicate the knowledge in a less effective way. And sometimes it can be destructive. Sometimes people with a lot of knowledge, they can be destructive because they don't have that wisdom. And somebody once said wisdom is the right application of knowledge, but I also would think wisdom is also being able to communicate knowledge in a good way. And so we're looking into that today. I notice in the Bible, you know, there's two contrasting wisdoms that we see in the Bible. In James chapter 3 and verse 15, you notice this scripture It says, this is not wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And of course, demonic being the worst one out of those. You know, earthly, there is an earthly wisdom. And, you know, there's been a lot that's been accomplished on the earth. I mean, there's been people that went to the moon. So many people accomplished many things on the earth. And you may be able to call that earthly wisdom. So not every one of those things is terrible because things need to get done on the earth. uh, And and not everyone on the earth really believes in God or cares about God, but we do. But talking about this, though, I I thought, you know, this wisdom and, you know, earthy, unspiritual and demonic, I just thought I'd look in Google and look at some of the people that we've so admired. Maybe not, I didn't really admire because when I was going to school, I didn't really pay attention in school, so it was hard for me to admire anyone. I was always, I was always in trouble. But, but look at this Aristotle. He said, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Well, we know, us that know God, 
we know that knowing God and fear, having reverential fear for him, that's the beginning of wisdom. So that, you know, he could have done a lot better there. Uh, and then Ludwig von Beethoven, he said, music is a higher revelation than all wisdom and philosophy. I love music, I'm a musician, but that's wrong. Um, wonder is the beginning of wisdom. Is that all you got, Socrates? Like, come on. And then, then common sense in an uncommon degree is what the world calls wisdom. And that's probably the best out of those four sayings, you know, because, you know, like when you think about, you can, you can accomplish things with common sense, okay, and then people could call that wisdom. So there is an earthly, earthy wisdom that things get done with. But here's what 1 Corinthians 3.19 says. It says, For the wisdom of the world is folly with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. So there is a, a wisdom of the world that's earthly, sensual, and devilish. But then there is a wisdom that comes from above. So this divine wisdom, and we need to be careful in Christianity because sometimes we use Christianity and some of the principles as a therapeutic tool a self-help tool, a personal development tool, and that's not what Christianity is, okay? It's, it's much more so. Christianity is just not like another option out there for personal development. And, and it's really important to know, like, it's like weighty. It, it's, it's thick. The divine wisdom that comes from above is a, a, a thick substance that can really, it's powerful, and we're going to look at that today. So, um, here's a few things that worldly wisdom cannot do. Uh, Colossians 2.23, it says, Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, which means self-made religion, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. And see, back then, people were actually trying to bring their flesh in control, and they were actually doing harsh things to their physical bodies thinking they could fix things. And it says that has the appearance of wisdom, but it says, but they lack any value in restraining central indulgence. So even, you know, when Jesus said, if your right hand does this, cut it off, he wasn't literally talking about that, but there's people out there that have actually punished themselves physically thinking they could beat it out of themselves. And it, it says it right there, it lacks any value in restraining central indulgence. The power of God, the word of God, and his divine wisdom can help us get out of any kind of habit or sensual indulgence. It, that, that is a permanent solution. And then in 1 Corinthians 1.19, it says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made f foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, and look at this, the world did not know God through wisdom. You know, it's not possible to find the creator of the universe through worldly w wisdom. He, it's just not going to happen. People make up gods. There's like gods that have been created. The devil has inspired some gods through people. Some religions have been demonically inspired. There's even been cults that have killed many people that followed cultish leaders. But the world did not know God through worldly wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach 
to save those who believe. So some people believe preaching is foolish, and it talks about the foolishness of the gospel. The gospel may be foolish, but it's the power of God unto salvation. So it's that simple message, the simple message that Jesus came. He died for us. He took our sin. He suffered. He was buried. He he was raised from the dead. He ascended up into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And I confess him, Jesus, I confess, I believe God raised you from the dead and I confess you as my Lord. The world thinks that's foolish. But any of us would know that when we do that and when he comes on the inside of us, whoa. It's like, who else could get on the inside of a person and who else could make somebody want to live differently? As soon as he got on the inside of me, I wanted to live differently. I didn't want to do the things I was doing. And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, somebody's here, and you're thinking, I've been saved for a long time, but I start doing some things back again, and, and, uh, and why is that? And, and the Lord would say, yes, you yielded to the flesh, and if you spend time with me, spend time in my word, seek me, and strengthen your spiritual self, you will, you will come out of that place that just came right out of my spirit there. But see, also, do not be concerned, for you haven't lost me, says the Spirit of the Lord. I will never leave you or forsake you, but you fed your flesh more than you fed your spirit. And if you feed your flesh more than your spirit, your flesh will be stronger than the spirit, and you will yield and do things that you don't want to do. And you'll wonder why. So discontinue feeding the flesh and begin feeding the spirit, and you will come out of that place, says the Spirit of God. That wasn't in my notes. But I think it was helpful. So here's what happens when we make Jesus the Lord of our lives. It positions us for this very thing in James 3 and verse 17. It says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And I, and I never noticed this until this week as I was looking into this, but it really stuck out to me. It says that this wisdom that comes from above is first pure. And then it has then. And I thought everything follows that. It didn't say first, second, third, fourth, but it says first pure and then all the other ones. And I, I just asked the Lord, well, what, what is that? And then I felt led to look up the word pure. And if you look it up in the Greek, it's a Greek word and it means clean. It means clean. So the wisdom that comes down from above is, first of all, clean. And it's kind of like this bottle here. If I pour dirt in it and go like this, this clean water will all become dirty. Uh, So it, it taints the whole thing. So God's wisdom is, first of all, clean. What comes down from heaven is clean. And then it says, after that, peaceable. And I thought, you know, why is it like that? And I thought, well, because there's like false peace. You know, people out in the world that don't have God, they have like, it's a false peace. They talk about a peace, but it it isn't even comparable to a godly peace. And so on and so forth. So it's interesting that everything with God is clean. So it says, then peaceable, gentle. You know, you can, some people fake gentleness, 
in front of the right people. They can act like they're gentle, but they really need real gentleness in private. Uh, Open to reason. And we're in a world that is so divided right now between left and right, the right being people that have more Christian values and the left being people that don't have such Christian values. And so everyone is having a hard time talking with each other. But we don't want to be like the ones that fight, the ones that aren't open to reason because you can't help anyone. So people that operate with godly wisdom will be able to communicate with anyone and they'll be open to reason and we won't have to fight and we can possibly help people. So here's some attached thoughts to this. Um, Somebody that has a position of authority, authority without wisdom can be like a sledgehammer. It will bruise and hurt and tear down and it will not unite and build. So having a position of authority and a title without wisdom can do more damage if it lacks wisdom. So people that have authority, if they have wisdom, well, they're going to be first, they're going to have these ingredients like peaceable, the ones that we just read, Um, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy. We have to understand that when we talk to people, if we're without mercy, we're not really operating in the wisdom of God or we are really sharing wisdom in a poor way because God's wisdom is full of mercy. Okay, And then here's another thought too, like our thoughts quickly become words that slip out of our tongue and those words that come out of our tongues that, that can come quickly, they really hit the people that we rub shoulders with, family, friends, and all that kind of thing. And it really helps if we pause before we speak because it allows us to decide what we're going to say. Is it going to be helpful or is it going to be hurtful? Is it going to build is it gonna, or is it going to tear down? So uh, it's, these are the kind of things that wisdom can help us. So let's just look at a few things here, like Bible examples of who needed wisdom. So here's first, like Jesus himself needed it. Look at Luke chapter 2 and, and verse 40. It says, the child grew and became strong, filled with the wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So Jesus, the Son of God, comes to earth. He needed wisdom. And he was without sin, but he still needed wisdom. And then look at the result of that wisdom in Luke two forty six and 7. It says, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And so this is like what wisdom can do. So when we share the gospel if we share it with wisdom, we're going to communicate it more effectively and we'll be able to lead more people to the Lord. We'll say a little bit more about that later. But, you know, Jesus was a carpenter in his hometown. And, uh, and so, but, but before we look at that, let's look at one other verse, Luke 2.52. And that says, right after Jesus, they were all amazed at him. Then a couple verses down, it says, Jesus increased in wisdom. And so... And in statue, he kept growing taller, but also in favor with God and man. And it's interesting how favor and wisdom can work together, because if God gives somebody wisdom, 
if they, are, if they act in wisdom, they're probably going to get favor, but then God can give somebody favor, but favor given without wisdom can eventually disappear. Because if, you, if favor can get you into a place, God favored you, and you got into a place no one else can get. But without wisdom, you may get kicked back out of that place. So favor and wisdom a lot of times go together. I have favor, and I got through this door that no one could get through, but now I need this wisdom so I can continue to influence in that place. Um, So, you know, Jesus was a carpenter's hometown, and then he returned home, and then Matthew 13 and verse 54, it says, and coming to his hometown, he's returning now as the Christ and the healer, and, and he was there a carpenter, And he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? That's what wisdom does. Now, now you could think, well, you know, how, how can wisdom help me? Wisdom can astound family members. Wisdom can astound friends. So everybody that we rub shoulders with, if we have a desire to operate and talk with wisdom, it can make a difference in families. It can make a difference with who we work with. And I'm going to just do a little contrast because when we don't, later on I'll I'll talk about a, a personal example when wisdom wasn't used and out pushed somebody away from God and didn't draw them to God. But let's look at Joseph needed it. We're we're just going to look at one more here. Joseph needed wisdom. Acts chapter 7 and verse 10, it says, and rescued him out of all his afflictions and gave him, look at it again, favor and wisdom before Pharaoh. So he had the favor, but Joseph operated with great wisdom and he became the ruler over all of Egypt and it was because he had favor and wisdom. So is this some things for us, like how wisdom could be helpful? Here's one thing, to serve God. So Acts chapter 6 and verse 3, it says, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint over this duty or this business. So 45 years ago, I got into a machine shop, and I trained to be a machinist. And so I was the young guy on the block, you know, 20-year-old guy working with these guys that are been doing it for a long time. My father was a machinist, and then he, he, was, he didn't work where I worked because he then became a tool and die maker, which is another level up for you. You've got to know algebra, trigonometry, and all that stuff. And so my father learned all that. With the machinist work I did, you know, you didn't have to actually know trigonometry and algebra, so it wasn't quite as hard. But that said, I worked along these guys that had been doing it for a long time, and we did some work. We got work from Boeing, the airline company, and if you're, if you're making pieces for Boeing, you better do it right. Well, you know, they, they, we had an inspect, you know, there was a team that inspected everything we did, and if it got rejected, like three rejections, you would get you know, like uh, put on leave and you'd have to like go through like a process where you're, you, they, they say you have to sit for three months and you don't get paid 
and then you come back. You, you don't mess around when you do these parts. So it was a little bit that kind of pressure on you. But then they had this saying that seemed like it totally didn't go along with how the work had to be. And they would say, it's good enough for government work. It's like a phrase that, I don't know if the tradies here have that phrase, good enough for government work. In other words, like, don't worry about it, it'll be fine. Which, in the case of machinist work, it's not like that. It has to be right on. So, why am I saying this right here? Because I thought, wow, the world, they do stuff with excellence. They produce TV shows. They, they astound people with their excellence. And then we just think in the church world, good enough for government work. But look at there. He said, therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom. God wants people that serve him to be full of wisdom. And this is just not government, good enough for government work. He wants us to serve him with divine wisdom because people's lives are at stake. People could go to hell or not. So this is like serving God is one place where wisdom really helps us. And then communication. Luke chapter 21 and verse 15, it says, For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. Now, the way that's worded, it, all, it, all, it really comes across like wisdom can be a weapon. Wow, like giving you a mouth that your enemies, an adversary is an enemy, they won't even be able to withstand or contradict. That's wisdom. So like all the other things we said, well, wisdom is full of mercy, it's peaceful, it's gentle. So look, at isn't that an interesting combination that, you know, wisdom can be all of those things, but yet it can be so powerful that our own, our enemies can't resist it. God's, only God could do, do something like that pull something like that off. That's amazing. So, Father, as a church, you know, we just, in a, Father, we thank you, Father, for wisdom from heaven, a mouth and wisdom to communicate the kingdom. Now, interesting here that this person that has a mouth and wisdom like that, it, I don't believe it's meaning that they're talking the loudest and they're arguing or pressuring, which we have a tendency to do. So, like, you know, we, I think we've been married now, what, 32 years? But um, especially in the early days, you guys can relate. If I talked to Patsy and said something, but then I, had, and it seemed like she didn't hear me, so then I talk louder. Anyone relate? You don't have to raise your hand. I'll be the guinea pig, or the whatever here, the, the sacrificial lamb. <laughs> or if I told her something, and then she did the same thing like a few weeks later, and I thought she didn't listen to what I said. And then I tell her the same thing, and I say it louder. And you think loud is going to make a difference. But that's not what this is talking about. When it says, I'm going to give you a mouth and wisdom. And, you know, and so I found that you know, we all grow, and I found that talking louder doesn't get the job done. Okay? But... That also is true with this. Divine wisdom is so weighty and powerful that you can whisper it or you could shout it. But it's something that God does, and it's even bigger than us. 
it's not human striving where we strive in our humanity, in our flesh. It's supernatural. Here's another scripture. Um, Acts 6.10, it says, But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. There again, it sounds like a wet. You know, when we really have all those things working together, full of mercy, compassion, gentleness, peacefulness, but yet so powerful because we're speaking God's word and that wisdom is coming out of us. That's something we can all shoot for. Here's another thing, like, is a witness. So Colossians 4, 5, it says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders making the best use of the time. And from the testimonies I've heard in our church family, we have numerous people in our church family that does this very thing. We have numerous people here that lead people to the Lord. They walk, and the outsiders, you know, like if you're a Christian, you would be considered an insider. But the outsiders are those that are not Christians. So somebody, that's what the Bible says. I mean, I I know in today's world, it might be offensive to say that because a lot of things are offensive. But it's actually saying the Christians are insiders and the non-Christians are outsiders. In other words, they need God. And so our job is to do our best to bring them in. Okay? So that's what we see here. And so it says to walk in wisdom toward the outsiders, making the best use of the time. And I know I've I've, I've used this story before here, but my brother Joe and Mike... uh, they're both younger than me, but they pastor in the United States. And uh, my brother Mike's come a long way. He's actually on TV around the world, but I'm going to tell you a little secret on how he started. We were just saved for a couple of weeks, and my aunt from California flew over. We lived in Ohio. And uh, so my aunt worked for Walt Disney. Um, she knew him personally. Her husband, the guy that she married, he... He was even more wealthy. She had a lot of money, but then they got married and they had a lot of money. So they're like very wealthy people. And she lavished gifts on us all the time and really treated us because she didn't have any children. She treated us like her children. Well, we're, we, we went to our church, which was a Pentecostal church. We were only saved a few weeks. And her and her mother, my grandmother, they went to the Catholic church. And then we got back to our, my mom and dad's house to eat together. We're sitting at the table, and my aunt's custom was, if she's with us, and she's not like that now, she's still alive. Um, I was just with her last, not this January, the January before, um, and we got along really good. But she would always talk about the relatives that weren't there. So we were the ones that were there, and she brought up a relative and said something not right about him. And my brother Mike, wanting to help her and save her, said, Aunt Rose, that's sin. We don't talk about people anymore around here. You're going to go to hell. That's like a really obvious example of a lack of wisdom. So she jumped up, start crying, and she went into the bathroom and slammed the door, and then my grandmother went there to go comfort her daughter. You know, end result, well, I don't know where this is now, but she took our family out of her will, which I don't know what that really amounts to, but we could be back in there. I don't know. (laughs) But my brother Joe and Mike, they matured, and they went out to California, and they've spent time with her, and they, and I I think the way, I was just there in January, and my brother Joe was out there, you know, because our family lives in Ohio, 
and I didn't ask her directly, but she sounds like she's a Christian now. So it went from really bad with bad communication to really good. And I think just having wisdom on how to navigate and share the gospel makes such a difference with people. So here's another scripture, um, our conduct, which is closely related. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So these are all the different things that wisdom can make a difference, divine wisdom. So I'm going to then just finish up with this today. When I look at the word, I notice that there were two, and and there could be more because, God, we keep growing. So when I say this, it doesn't mean that it's absolute. But I noticed two distinct types of wisdom as I was getting into this this week. And these two kinds of wisdom, uh, very interesting. I'm going to tell you about the first one that I noticed. Uh, It's a spirit of wisdom in the knowledge of him. And what I noticed about this wisdom, I I mean, I actually woke up with this. I, I finished my notes, and I woke up this morning, and I had this came into my heart about this wisdom. I woke up with this. That this spirit of wisdom, it, it, it works in us. There's a specific kind of wisdom that works in us. And here's the scripture. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So why am I calling it a specific kind of wisdom and just not a general kind of wisdom? Well, the reason is because if you notice there, it's the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Okay, so uh, we'll, we'll talk about it, but let's even talk about this wisdom. That's an old Greek word, and it's used to describe insight or wisdom not naturally attained. So in other words, it's, it's, it's beyond a natural wisdom. It's a divine insight. And then the word revelation here, it's something that it really means that something that is being unveiled so say you fly somewhere and you arrive at nighttime and you take a taxi to a hotel and everything's dark you sleep the night and you get up and then you you draw the curtains you open the curtains and voila there's the ocean port douglas up near Cairns, or there's mountains with snow on the top it was uh, it was there all the time but it got unveiled that's what this word revelation means something that was always there but you didn't see it. It's like it got unveiled to you. So that's, it's talking about this spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So as I thought about that, why is it a specific type of wisdom? Well, because it's not really referring to doing a sparky work, electrical work, chippy, carpenter. It's not like to design a web page, to do graphics. It's not to build a business. It's not to do university. This is a specific kind of wisdom, and it's, it's wisdom and revelation knowledge of him. Now, this is like the key to establishing our true identity. This kind of wisdom is the wisdom that reveals to us who we are in Christ in what we have in Christ. This kind of wisdom is way beyond natural wisdom. And when we know who we are in what we have in Christ, 
it brings great stability and confidence to our lives. So this kind of wisdom can fix timidity. It can fix insecurities. It can fix all kind of things. It can eliminate fear. Because when we have revelation knowledge of him and who we are, it's the fix for every single thing. And so you, when, you under, when we understand who we are in him, it, it's, it's almost like everything else in the world, you see it through those, those eyeglasses. So he becomes everything. And so people are not our suppliers. It's another thing. It's like he is our Lord. Everything comes from him. Our true identity is in him. So when I do anything, I do it knowing I don't have to do that. He could move me somewhere else. He could put me here, put me there. It doesn't matter. If somebody says, get out of here, I don't want anything to do with you because I have him. And that's for all of us. It's where our true identity comes from. It fixes everything. It causes us to be confident. It causes us to walk with confidence. It changes the way we think. It changes the way we speak. It changes everything. So it's that specific kind of wisdom. And then there's this other kind of wisdom. And that's, I just think, common wisdom. It's wisdom to build the kingdom in our lives. But this other wisdom that I talked about before, this common wisdom, if you think about it, it works in us. But when, when working in us, what happens is we discover who we are and what we have. So even though it works in us, it will eventually, the other wisdom will work for us. In other words, that common wisdom, you can get wisdom to do your job. You can get wisdom to, in marriage. You can get wisdom to, to, for social like relationships that need fixed, God will give wisdom for all that. So that's, that wisdom will work for us, but this other wisdom that works in us, when it really does what it would do where we get really confident and bold about who we are and what we have, it eventually will work for us because you can go in for a job interview and you'll, go, you'll walk into a place with confidence, like I'm going to get interviewed for a job, but hey, I got Jesus Christ as my Lord. I know my true identity. I'm just like really laid back and relaxed here. I'm very... You know, there's, you know, just everything about you changes, how you respond to people. So even though it, it first works in us, it eventually will work for us, this kind of wisdom, when we find out who we are in Christ and have that revelation knowledge. But this other wisdom, it's just James 1.5. It says, if you lack wisdom, let ask God. So God will give wisdom to every, everything you can think of. Any kind of job that people do, they, God can add wisdom to that job. Uh, relationships. God can give like a word of wisdom to fix a relationship. God can give wisdom to marriages where bumping heads going on, but God can just give one thing out and it can repair a marriage. So I'm going to just end today and I'm just going to give you four ways on how to receive wisdom. Uh, So the first one, it might be a surprise to you, but receive Jesus as Lord. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, and because of him, You are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from our God, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. 
As soon as we receive Jesus Christ as Lord, we have a portion of wisdom. He becomes our wisdom. And that's why when I got saved, I, I immediately started to change. I, I, wanted, I thought differently. I believed differently. I talked differently. I, I didn't want to do the same things that I did because he became my wisdom. So if, you're, if Jesus is your Lord, you already have a portion of wisdom. Here's another way it comes. It is learned. Acts 7.22 and Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in his words and deeds. So I became a machinist years ago, but I, you know, the older guys, they, they taught me how to do machine stuff, and they gave me little, little tips, little things, little nuggets of wisdom, maybe earthy, earthly wisdom, but probably I, I, haven't cut my, I didn't cut my fingers off. That kind of stuff really helps, because there were guys that worked in the machine shop that were missing thumbs and fingers, and they warned me about some stuff, and so I, I had a little wisdom from them. Then here's another way, number three, is to be asked for. James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. So simply asking God for wisdom. So Jesus is our wisdom. We can learn wisdom, but then we can simply ask. If we need wisdom for a certain thing, we can ask. And then this last kind that we looked at, and, and this is such a big one, it can be prayed for. Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. You guys can pray that for me, because if I keep growing, I'll do, I'm, I'm a better pastor, but a pastor should pray that for their congregations, because everybody growing and finding out who they are in Christ it's, it's amazing. It's powerful. It's wonderful when we find our true identity. I know who I am in Christ. I know what I have in Christ. So th this is something that we pray for. That the Lord Jesus would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. It's just like in that, just those curtains that you open in a hotel room. It, it's always there, but when, when that is revealed... You see Jesus as he really is. You see yourself in him as you really are. Our value even isn't in what we do. Our value is in who we are. And that changes life. It changes life. Somebody can say, hey, you're fired. And I know it's hard to fire people in this country. You know what I'm saying. But somebody can say, you're fired. And you go, oh, God will take care of me. My identity is not in what I do. I know who I am. And, you know, that's just a real simple practical thing, but it, it, it causes us to, uh, to be totally different, knowing who we are. So, Father, I thank you so much for everyone that's here today, Lord, and I just pray that uh, these words, your word, Father, would go deep into their hearts. Father, that there would even be a hunger to discover who they are in Christ, what they have in Christ, all of us that we, we would continue to grow in wisdom, revelation knowledge, Father. I just pray that, Father, that these words will not just stop here today, that you bring back these words to, to, to whoever, Father. You just bring these words back to whoever heard them and keep working this, Father, that we would grow and mature in Christ, Father. I just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. 
If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.